right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Alright everybody, welcome to Nerdificent, how you doing? I'm your host, If You Way, and sitting across from me in the place of Miss Danny Fernandez, who has important things to handle, <laughs> is Joelle Monique, producer at iHeart and writer, whose work has been featured in The Hollywood Reporter, The AV Club, and Vulture. <laughs> Dan on the booth. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, uh, nobody can replace Danny, but I'm here to fill the space that she sometimes occupies. And uh, yeah, I'm excited because it's a really good topic. I might cry today. Warnings. Okay. It's All a right. lot. I also like that you gave us the stepmom speech. Like, I'm not here to replace <laughs> your mom. I'm just... You know, think of me as an extra mom. You know, you get two moms now. Listen, <laughs> it's like, I'm not here to give listen. you advice. I'm here to maybe buy you weed. Yeah. Maybe, like, you know, tell you what sisters do, but like, like no actual guidance for anything. Yeah, yeah. I'll pick you up when you're drunk. We yeah, won't yeah. tell your father. Mm-hmm. It'll be okay. I'm a cool Yeah, I'm mom. the cool one. I'm, the cool one. <laughs> I'm only five years younger, older than you anyway. So. Yikes. <laughs> oh, that other voice you hear is Johnny Parker, writer of The Black Man's Guide to Getting Pulled Over. <laughs> Die cute and Ewoks are better than hobbits. How you doing? I am good. I'm good. What up, though, everybody? Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I know. That, you, it almost took a dark turn, but I pulled us back. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you know, I just, I, we're gathered here today to uh, talk about, I would argue, one of the most influential uh, black creators in the comic industry. Mm. You know, he's definitely, I think. It's like one of those things that where I think if he was alive today, he'd be like getting them McFarlane, maybe even those Jeff John checks right now. Like, if he were alive today, I would bet money that despite many of the issues he had with DC, given his track record of 
improving, elevating a lot of their work. DC would have called him in like around Justice League to be like, yo, bro, 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 we're sorry about the pass, but like you want to take a pass on this script because even mess. If, even if they didn't call him then, they definitely would have called him after the Black Panther weekend. They're like, we oh, need you, exactly. Duffy. It's time. It's time. Icon that movie, cyborg movie. Like, need to come out. Yeah. We, we could be ready for, you know, they like that Miles Morales kid. Maybe it's time for Static to get yeah. his shot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We, oh, we, just, we just need you here. In um, an alternate universe, he's somewhere still kicking ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, before we jump into it, uh, the way we like to start our episodes here uh, is by talking about what we're geeking out about this week. So uh, I'll let you start off, Johnny. What are you geeking out about? Okay. Uh, first time here. Can I do two? Yeah, of course. There's oh, no limit. Okay. This is what you're geeking out. <laughs> All right, Michelle. So uh, first thing is the world, my, my Heroes Academia, um, Heroes Rising premiere. Yeah, like so, yeah. So, that I, in. so I got to go check that out. That was like really dope and everything like that. And honestly, the part of why I was just geeking out about it is because like we like talk about Dwayne McDuffie, talk about like representation within the culture. It was just so proud to see like so many people of color there mm-hmm. who are into like anime and whatnot, who have like pushed this genre forward and whatnot. Like it was dope. I like I was like standing in line next to King Vader, mm-hmm. so I'm marking the whole crew from RDC One World mm-hmm. and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Shout so out to Cheyenne who hosted the event. Well, yeah, there you go. And then also saw your co-host there as well. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just really dope to see, like, you know, like this little genre that was like, we used to trade VHS tapes back in the day and the oh, nice yeah. everything to catch up. Now it's blown up to this level and like all these people of color that are pushing the genre forward too. It's so dope to see. And then um, second thing I'm geeking out about hard right now is, I'm not sure, wrestling fans here? No? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going crazy for uh, Bianca Belair right now. Oh my gosh! Dude, oh my gosh, she looks so good. About her yesterday, I don't she, know jack about wrestling, but she comes up in my timeline frequently <laughs> yeah. enough that I'm like, look at this bitch work. <laughs> oh no, oh no, Woo! she is so hot. She is so hot right now. Oh my she, god, she's giving the business to like all the level of female wrestlers right now. Go up to Charlotte, like you don't even go here. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the last pay per view, she literally came out with a robe that said, "I'm Black History in the Making." Yeah. And then she's just amazing, so many levels. So I just want to say like props to her. She's giving me like more stuff about female wrestling and what they're doing and just herself. So. I'm excited where she's going. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's that's the one thing I was talking about where it's like she is killing in NXT. She's holding it down. And the biggest problem is that all the women wrestlers that get bumped up to WWE, the main roster, it just – they it always fizzles out because they only – play they only get one match a night so you mm. have one match a night and and so there's only so many stories you can tell so i'm like just let her thrive in nxt because y'all did oscar dirty Ooh, you know, so my dirty. girl oscar so she dirty. was she was so great and y'all just let that heat fizzle so i don't want to see any more of my faves have their heat fizzle so no, <laughs> let her let her thrive no i'm totally with you because like when kari zane went up i was like mm-hmm. kari zane she's a pirate she's gonna find <laughs> one piece let's go and then all of a sudden it's like Y'all ain't doing nothing with her. Yeah, you know. And it's kind of like you say, because like, sadly enough, when they go to main roster, they get one match, and every single match is about Becky or Charlotte yeah. or Sasha or Bailey. So, again, a lot of the other women get pushed back, which is disappointing to see. So, yeah. I agree with you. Like, NXT is definitely that place for her to thrive right now. Oh, yeah. I'm loving it. Uh, what about you, Joel? What are you geeking out about this week? Um, Every year that HBO releases Westworld, I'm like... I'm not going to watch because it's not going to hold up the original or it's not going to be as good or or the ending was kind of dumb and I hated it. Uh, but the new trailers look so good. Oh, yeah. I just can't get over it. Uh, I am a sucker and I'm going to watch this season. Uh, I'm also geeking out over uh, The Batman, which is threatening to tell the Batman story I've always wanted to watch in theaters, which is an actual detective story. And the costume is so awesome and he uses parts of the gun that killed his parents as the bat symbol. Listen, it's going to be so dark and metal, but in a way that isn't... um, 
purposely dark. And wait, how do you put this? So sometimes I think it's not dark. Is, try hard. Yeah, sometimes dark is like it's murder, and we're just sad and angry. Uh, this is dark as in like there's some dark things happening in the world, and we're gonna address it, mm. starting with gun violence, which is exactly where you should start with Batman. Yeah. Oh God, mm. I'm so excited. It looks really good. I, I hope it's as good as it looks. Oh man, that's fingers yeah. crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes, that yes. Sounds, uh, Dizope. Uh, what I'm geeking out about this week is, uh, you know, I it's it's hard to pinpoint one. I will, but I will say before I pinpoint one, I'd say anime in general. Uh, my friend Lisa just got me real deep back into anime because it was that thing where I think I talked about it on the pod where I just felt like I was so behind. And uh, she posted uh, just like a, one of the like scene screens where you show like multiple pictures of a scene um, <clears throat> in Banana Fish. And it was so interesting. I was like, what is this anime? I need to see it. And I like just binged through. And then next thing you know, I was like, okay, what's the new hotness? Boom. And then I caught up on um, My Hero. I'm still oh, like, I'm still on season four. I'm not full all the way caught up, but I'm in the current season with the with the girls, as they say. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh also, like I finished Mob Psycho, oh, and then I went back. Yeah, I I went back and rewatched Android Kikaider the animation, mm. which is just a depressing, slow anime, but it's done in that like Astro Boy Cyborg 009 style, which is very interesting to look. The transformation scenes hold up. So anyway, uh, definitely want to shout out uh, her for getting me back in the darkness. Like I. Welcome back. Yeah, Welcome when back. I went back, I went to lunch uh, on my last job, and on lunch I picked up a Gundam and like Calpico and Japanese snacks, and I was like, "Oh, here we go." So we're back to dirty wee biffy. This is fully, <laughs> I'm fully back in my roots. But uh, yeah, she has a podcast. It's called Kawaii Five O. If you oh, want to hear her talk, but yeah, the current one I'm watching and the one geeking out about is Black Lagoon, Ooh. which uh, going back and watching it, it's been fun to see like good representation of black people in yes. like, and like like I pointed I'd said it on Twitter Cyborg 009 the like newer run looks good the older run is tragic <laughs> is very tragic I'd say I was like if I didn't if I saw that <laughs> I, w- I probably would have skipped the whole joint <laughs> But the the new one they got this brother because I was I was already like oh they over here breaking stereotypes this is the brother that his power is swimming <laughs> and then and then I went back and saw the old joint I was like oh no oh, why y'all no. do that so just stick to the newer uh, animated low key low key yeah. when I saw you post that picture I was like oh they had Drew Hill good job <laughs> no that's wow. yeah, that bad boy wow. he was like <laughs> oh my gosh all right <laughs> that Cisco seems like the perfect segue to talk about Dwayne <laughs> two. <laughs> Leaders in our community. Mm, hold Leaders, it down. Yeah, hold it down. Yeah, holding it down. <laughs> <laughs> Titans of the 90s. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who was born in 1962 and who we unfortunately lost in 2011, was keenly aware at a very young age that heroic protagonists who looked even remotely like him were nowhere to be found in comic books that he loved to read. Uh, ethnically diverse characters were not only woefully underrepresented, but grossly inauthentic. Uh, and profoundly inspired by seeing himself reflected in media as a hero for the first time via the Black Panther, young Dwayne grew up uh, to become the pioneer of diversity in both mainstream comic book and animation industries uh, and animation industries. 
encouraging uh, and creating widely inclusive cultural variety with contemporary non-stereotypical characters to represent a, the hero and all of us, mm. which is yes. that I wanted to read that verbatim because you know, I think that's going to be like the theme of the whole episode. But before we even jump into it, I'm curious about what everyone's first experience with Duffy was. Mm. It was Static Shock, which was the first mm-hmm. animated cartoon he did. Uh, and of course, as a young kid who was like really into Batman, the animated series, I was like, oh, they're making a black one? Like, let's check it out. Uh, if you follow me on anything, you know that I didn't discover comic books were still a real thing until I got to college because the lesbians <laughs> at the bookstore where I shopped as a kid were like, come read the classics. Don't bother with any of those old comic book things. So my comic book experience was very strictly limited to television animated series specifically. Um... And I was just bowled over by the fact that there here was like a kid who kind of looked like me, who had superpowers, mm. who got to like fight alongside Batman, like, whoa. And, but also like avoided almost any stereotype. Like he skateboarded, which people were like, that's not a black thing. It's totally a black thing. Kareem Campbell <laughs> put some respect on his a, name. Uh, the, like the fact that he, you know, had parents that were both there and both loved him and he didn't have like a lot of tragedy going around. Uh, there's everything to love about Static, but most specifically the hair. Oh yeah, I I, I do. I want to rewind and do a quick Black History Month moment about Kareem Campbell because <laughs> I think uh, yeah I can't just mention his name for those. <laughs> Kareem Campbell was one of the first black skaters I saw, and mm. he was kind of generally one of the first black mainstream skaters. And the story behind him uh, that you know I was I I I heard and I was like oh this is an interesting and important story and it actually weaves right in to what we're going to talk about today <laughs> is the fact that like when he was first making skate videos and all that he was doing this the, you know using the same rock songs that everyone was using using the same you know this and where he was just kind of like trying to assimilate and yeah. get in that way and then it wasn't until one day his own was like that's not you though like you mm-hmm. you know you 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 like hip-hop you like this you know and then the moment he just started dressing like he dressed, big baggy clothes, using hip hop in his videos, that's when he stood out. And mm. that's when like he just kind of blew up from there because no one was doing that. You know, skateboard was still kind of on that punk rock, surf rock kind of yeah. wave. So now when you add this like hip hop, which, you know, I'm going to go, it's Black History Month, so I'll say this and not care. Much cooler than those <laughs> those music genres. The much cooler the style, the subculture, everything about it. It's much cooler. So it was. It, it's so funny because we're so afraid to just be ourselves. Because when you're in like white dominated spaces, you're mm-hmm. like, "Well, I got to do the thing y'all doing." Right. And then you bring like your flavor to, it and they're like, "No, nah, that, that I like that the hits. seasoning that yeah. you put on this. <laughs> this is nice." It's dope you say that because it also kind of shows like how like because we're both into sneakers, how yeah. fast street culture go. Because if you look at sneakers and skate industry now, like Supreme and all these oh, yeah. things, it's totally still that hip hop influence. Oh yeah, like all that stuff that he probably brought into it, mm-hmm. he's still existing today. Yeah. So in a way, by him being himself, he change the genre change the culture which is a lot of time what like African Americans do it's like when we put our stamp on it we put our stamp on it and it usually stays yeah well that and that's what's so interesting because being of that skate culture and coming in with Kareem you know you have like Chocolate Girl but then you had DGK Dirty Ghetto Kids coming mm. in and like all those like brands that are truly like nah we we gonna be the black band you had Zoo York you know like all mm. that and it just really like it really is uh, it made it better because like you still have like those brands that still do the punk rock mm-hmm. type stuff, but it's just, there's more diversity within it for just the average consumer. Yeah. 
So it just helps to put your voice. That's dope. And think about it. Like, if he doesn't do that, do we get Tyler, the creator? Yeah. Because yeah. He, by him seeing, like, the hip-hop and his own presence there, him reflected in that, he's like, oh, I want to skate. I want to do these things, too. Mm-hmm. Which leads to, again, the whole crew and Odd Future and everything yeah. like that. So it's like, if that doesn't happen, then maybe we don't get these things later on. So that's super dope. I know. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of uh, what-ifs I have with Tyler. Like, what if Tyler's Nigerian dad was around? Maybe he would have gone to the meetings that my dad was at. Me and Tyler would become homies, and I would have been in Odd Future. Like, that's what I think about when I think about that. I was like, I'd no, be taking out with Frank Ocean right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been the Frank Ocean in the group. The old dude just like, yeah, yeah, Nigerian brother, let's go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, um, um, so I guess for me, um, how I got exposed to Dwayne was uh, very similar to yours, but it was actually mm. with the comics. So I remember my best friend back when I was in like high school, whatever, he was in foster care. And sadly enough, he got to it as like, foster parents or whatever. And they were like, we're going to throw out your comic books. And he's like, the damn you will. <laughs> he called me really quickly. was like, they're trying to throw out my comics. So I was like, got you. Dad, they're trying to throw out his comics. We on it. We like drove to his house. <laughs> Picked up his comics like, when everything cool, come pick up your books. So we drive back to my crib. He's like, yo, read them, explore them, whatever. And he had been in the comics like way longer than me. So when I get back, whatever, I'm flipping through. He's like, oh, you got this, you got this, you got static. The heck is this? And I just start reading. And I'm like, oh, snap. Wow. And he starts blowing me away. And I read like through the whole run. And then I'm reading Blood Syndicate and Hardware and Icon. Yes. And it's like, all blows me away. And then what's crazy is like, I've always been a fan of comics. Like, I've always loved comics and animation and whatnot. But when I used to create like, you know, my own characters as a kid growing up, it was also always so hard to create characters of color. Everybody came out white. Mm-hmm. But the moment I read Static, I was like, oh, snap. I see myself. I can do this. And that's when I started covering my boom, my black characters, my Latino characters. And started like creating this like diverse array thing. And so... Thank you, Dwayne, because he inspired that in me. Because if he didn't do that, then I would have the books I'm making now. Well, yeah. First of all, you're an amazing friend. I'm so sorry. That is amazing <laughs> that your dad was like, yes, get in the car and go right now. Preserve these comic books. Stunning. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of like, it's funny that you said, like, seeing that change how you view it. Because it is funny how your art starts with what you liked. When I was really into drawing, all my Guys had spiky hair, buff bodies. Mm-hmm. Spiky hair, buff bodies. <laughs> and then Static came around, and then they had the trunk style hair, oh, but with yeah. dreads. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, yes, I was like yes, that was the yes. shift when I was like, oh, yeah, no, now I'm still going to do the DBZ thing, mm-hmm. but they're going to have dreads now. <laughs> no, I, I remember I was watching um, Teenage Mutant Turtles, of course, and then I was also watching Bionic 6. Mm-hmm. So who's my first character? The Bionic Ninja. <laughs> I'm so yes. original. Everyone's going to want to buy this. <laughs> and it's like, but yeah, that's what happens, though. You get influenced by what you see and like kind of say that's why representation is so important because when you see it in front of you, that's what allows you to see yourself in it and take it to that next level. Yeah, and it's so funny because like you do get the pushback of like, it shouldn't matter and this, that, and whatever. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you say that. But I just can't wait for years down down when diversity is normalized in the heads of everyone because mm-hmm. they see it like you're bucking against it because you're so used to these like all white things and you've never had a problem with it because you've seen yourself within it you know mm-hmm. versus like and and that's the thing is like honestly like no one ha- will have a problem with an all white cast it's just let's mix it up if if you had if you had like if if we if we went through the year and all and every month you had a Black Panther, you had uh um uh what was that uh like I'm trying to think of like a good like Latinx representation of Crazy Rich Asians, um 
Uh, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Uh, Miles Morales, yeah, Spider-Man. Nice. But just like representation across the board and your little women's and mm. your uh, whatever. I love them. They're my favorite directors, but I'm definitely going to say they've been scared of black people since Lady Killers, the Coen brothers. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like 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 we, we love those directors. It's just like we just want something different every now and then just give us a lulu wang every once in a while exactly it's like look let her make more movies give her some cash like i always kind of thought about that because like well scorsese got nominated for the irishman i was like oh that's cool i was like bro you always making these gangster films but like would it why don't you just do like scorsese i'm gonna do a remake of new jack city Oh my and god! And it's like just kind of run with it, whatever. Or like I want to tell the story of like Frank White in my way and everything like that. I have such and- mixed feelings about that because Scorsese is an old white man, <laughs> like he's real old, and I just worry if he can handle the material. And so my my thing is, if you want to stay in your lane and you don't want to venture out, I'm totally fine with that. To me, it's not the attacking the individual creator isn't necessarily going to bring about good representation. Yeah. I want to hit up the studio and be like, so I know y'all are getting pitches from a lot of people <laughs> yeah. who are quality and who can make good stuff that make you money. And the fact that you guys just keep turning them down yeah. so fresh or ruining their pro- picking them up and then subsequently ruining the project with your like incredibly white notes. I don't understand this. We don't have to explain it to you. Our audience <laughs> will get it. Yeah. Jesus. So yeah, I, I feel like there's there's a lot of space for, you know, Major corporations to maybe do their part. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. And I think that's that's what it really is, is that no one's trying to take your thing away to make room. Like, there's this idea, this weird idea, that in order to diversify things, we'll be taking money. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I think normal consumers don't realize how much money just go like i i don't think consumers realize how many movies are just made that you never see like like there are <laughs> movies that are made they're in festivals lot, millions of dollars went into it and you just never see it because it just didn't pop the way they liked shout out it's, to ava duvernay for creating a ray and being like i'll just release them myself exactly <laughs> because like it's that's just how stuff so it's in like every year we add thousands more things to see. So there's mm-hmm. not a, there isn't this struggle for space in the medium for people to see things. So I think there, no one should genuinely have a problem with <laughs> diversity because it doesn't affect your thing if you choose not to watch it. Not only that, may I, but not only that yeah. though, but it's like people, it's weird, it's just in today's world, diversity is like so profitable as well. Mm-hmm. You think about like the number one franchise right now that's damn near on nine movies is Fast and the Furious. Yeah. yeah it is. And it has an amazing diverse cast. Oh my not. gosh. And like, it will play in every single country. Exactly. And everybody will go and see it. Yeah. And Big like, numbers. And what's crazy is Vin Diesel kind of realized that because when he did um, Vin Diesel Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, which is like, that's a movie. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing about this though is that he, what did he do? He did the exact same formula he did with Fast and Furious. He brought in all these international stars. And so here in America, I think it made like 150 million or whatever, but worldwide, it made like over 300 something million. Yeah. So he made his budget back and then some. And so it just shows that the power of diversity, because like when people see themselves, they're willing to go spend those dollars on it. Yeah. People, uh, people sleep on my man Vin, but Vin be making moves. We uh, do. Mm-hmm. My man, Mr. Diesel. Mm-hmm. Watch out for him. He's such a nerd in real life. Too. I know that's you why just I have love to everything about him. him. <laughs> so uh, you know, we're gonna take a quick break uh, while y'all stew on that info we just dropped for y'all. But uh, when we get back, we'll be talking about Dwayne's younger years, the Marvel years, all the way to DC and Milestone and all that good stuff. After these messages. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. back <laughs> yeah yeah so uh you know i'm i'm here with johnny parker joel monique Ooh, and we're shoot, talking about uh Dwayne mcduffie uh, his legacy and just everything around it i think that's one thing just in case because i noticed we did that with the static thing and that's something i didn't like i saw it happening and i didn't want to stop because i think that was the spirit of these episodes is uh you know these episodes are you know about black history black history month so i'm not you know if we bounce off of the subject and start talking about black history black culture in general that's kind of the spirit of the episode so and, and if you're paying if if you're paying attention, we're still dropping some some knowledge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think if you think about Dwayne McDuffie specifically and his entire goal in comics was for us to be able to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. But even further than that, like, gosh, there's so many times I wish like McDuffie were here because the circles that we run in, we would have met him so many times over already. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm for sure positive I would have some kind of connected relationship with McDuffie. And like, we I didn't get a chance to tell you, like, yo, you put me on to comics in a way that was, like, wasn't available to me. And then to hear, like, him tell stories of his childhood and the things that, like, really drove him to, like, you know, you guys are anime fans. We've seen some very racist representations of oh, black yeah. people. <coughs> in, and, <laughs> oh, no. oh, gosh. Uh, we we uh. name dropping. Uh, the, <laughs> it's, it's, it, was, it was a challenge previously to to see representations of yourself that weren't, uh gangsters in comics mm-hmm. that weren't um dumb and uneducated but they were beefy so they could fight so totally worth it uh that weren't strictly just sex objects a lot of time for women um mcduffie really changed the game and he did it like from the inside which i think is like crazy impressive like the guy had no fear of just being like laying it all out there and being like no y'all are part of the problem and i'm not gonna stand here and just let that continue yeah <sighs> you, you love so to dope. see it Random thing, actually did get to meet him. Oh, 
Oh my god. Okay. Please tell <laughs> yeah, us you, all you about it. That bomb for Sorry. a minute. So I moved out to LA back in 2006 to uh, teach and write comics and everything like that. And so back when they used to have Wizard World LA, um, they still had it around. I remember looking at the guests who was going there last year. I was like, yeah, yeah, anyway, Dwayne. And I was like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go meet this man or whatever. Yeah. So it was so dope. I gotta go hear him speak at a panel. Speak about some of the things he was doing. Like I think at that time he was just finishing a Firestorm, mm-hmm. the transition, but going to his next project. And then he goes after the panel, and I get a chance to go up to him. I was like, yo, I just want to say thank you for all you've done. Like I'm from Detroit, you're from Detroit. You with the U of M, I'm with the U of M, and like I didn't know I was following your footsteps for so long. Thank you for inspiring me, my comics, everything I do. He's like, thank you, appreciate it. And um, then he gave me like a cut personalized copy, like. Static shock. Yeah. He just always carries in his backpack. For, like, <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Like, boom, bam. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Thank you, Dwayne. Oh and then God. it was just so dope because after that we got to chop it up a little bit like that. Like, what was really dope is um, if anybody's this proves from Detroit, they know in um the center of the city we have a Joe Lewis fist. Okay. It's like this like giant thing or whatever, right? So the current Firestorm was based in Detroit. So he wanted to do this like final storyline where it's like he, Firestorm was gonna face off against Dark Side. He was gonna charge up the fist and then hit Dark Side yeah. with it. And he was like, it was gonna be dope, but he was like, but the Turtles told me no, <laughs> and we, we don't do those things. I was like, oh, okay, fine. But um, but no, he was super cool, super personable, like one of the nicest people. Conversated with me for like almost like 20, 30 minutes, and it was like it was awesome. It was cool thing. Oh wow! Oh my god! R. P. We loved yeah. Hero Hero was actually like good. Yeah. In real life, you know yeah. that. Oh, that warms my heart. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> that. Oh man. Oh well, uh, so. For his younger years, he said that he read comic books casually, like most kids did in the 70s, was a big fan of Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. Uh, he just never met anyone who was anything like uh, like the black characters that existed in comics. Blacks in comics, in many, many years, were drawn as subhuman. The Spirit, which is a relatively realistically drawn comic, Ebony White could have been a gremlin. I'm not sure a modern <laughs> reader would understand that he was human. Uh, yeah, with- if you've ever seen The Spirit, he's like a gray kind of like goblin-esque sidekick but he's just meant to be like a black man yeah (laughs) and it's you're looking at it you're like what the hell who did this yeah i'm gonna take a second i gotta look at this it is oh no yeah oh no oh no it's it's very pickaninny style with the pink like overly round lips yeah and this cover that we're looking at he has uh two fives and he's licking his lips um, he got some cash now. Watch out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is yeah. This is That was what you had. That was what you could represent- uh, yeah, look man. forward to if you were reading comics. Yeah, this was yeah, yeah. If you look side by side, it looks like two different art styles. Mm-hmm. It like, totally does. Yeah, that's and it's funny because like that they the energy of that, uh the energy of of, of that it just shows how kind of flippant racism was at the time, where it's like like cause two to them, it was like, oh, this is funny. This oh, yeah. is funny to have this character and, and to put, you know, this person in here and have him next to this, like, attractive, tall, white mm. man. Uh, you know. You, <laughs> Not so, your white voice, if he. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so it's very, um, it's very, like, it, it is like, if you're growing up with that, you definitely want to fight that. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, and I think it it's disheartening to constantly be seeing yourself as that. Like, I mean, listen, on the playground, when you were trying to figure out, like, who you were going to be in a group, like, listen, the girls were doing Spice Girls, and they were like, you are Scary Spice. And I was like, I'm not participating. Not because I don't love Scary Spice. She's a national treasure. But because I understood <laughs> what was happening in that moment, which yeah. is you're black, and we don't really care about your personality outside of that, and we're mm-hmm. going to shove you into this character. And so if you're a comic book fan... And you're going to be the black character like, mm. F you, I'm not going to be whitey. Like, get the hell out of here. I don't understand. Uh, I do understand how it happened. There was nobody there to check them on it. Uh, mm. This was what constituted as humor. And as uh, they were like, no, it's inclusive. There's a black person in there. Look, And it's funny because it's like, it really is like, the. It's just how it kind of carries over is like that that is the same design that we got of the 60s version of uh, Cyborg 008, which was the mm-hmm. black cyborg. And it really is crazy how like the, the, the power of like just this racist connotation being carried over and uh, and and used. And it's interesting because, you know, it's often often try to uh, use to defend it where it's like, oh, they didn't know and all this, but it's like, no, no you, you knew. knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you knew. knew. You knew for sure. And the main problem, too, is that, like, it goes back to, like, who were in those offices there because, again, you know, that's where, like, the racism not employing people of color in those offices really comes into play because even the 90s, when you look at Marvel, every Ooh. black man that they drew had the exact same look. It was like a brother look like Bray with a high top. Uh, yep. <laughs> every single time, like, if Luke Cage and Blaze stood side by side, like, wait, which is which? Yeah. And so the thing about it is, though, is that, like, but when you start hiring people of color that work in these offices that's when you start getting interesting character designs you start seeing mm-hmm. like different hairstyles and things of those lines actually representing those books now yeah, to your when, point Luke Cage had that 70s get up to like the early to mid 90s yeah and he was still rocking disco like way past when it was popular or like stylish it makes no sense well when you only have one black acquaintance what other what other you know samples because they ain't they ain't going down to the hood they ain't going down mm. to black neighborhoods so you have to think about it's funny because like I think the wildest thing about racism and why, like, you know, the word systematic gets thrown around is there's so many little things that can happen that makes it happen that you unintentionally. Like, I I can, like, we, like, if someone came and was like, iffy, I worked in Marvel in the 90s and no one there, I promise you, I spoke to him all. No one there was racist, and I'd be <laughs> like, I could, I'd still, I like, I could believe that and still believe that this this happened. Why? Because n- j- simply just not being racist doesn't like protect you from not being racist. Like yeah. you could yeah. go your whole life being like, I I respect black people. I will never say the n word. But if you're not aware of the microaggressions and things that affect them, then you are walking through life with a blind side. You don't th- you don't know things you can accidentally do. I mean it's the same thing of like cuz people always try and like make it seem like such a complex race thing where it was like why does it matter if you touch your head or why does like mm-hmm. microaggressions don't matter but it's the same thing of if your mom has died. If your mom has died, I don't know your mom died. We out joking and I say your mama. That's going to hit you way differently than if <laughs> right. I say someone. That started so many fights back when I was growing up. Mm. All because it's like an unseen fact about this person that they've lost their parents. So anything said about said parent mm-hmm. hurts more. That's the exact same thing when it comes to race. Is there there are things that have affected people of color in different ways. That's the you know, that's why you can't have a 
black person with monkey on the T for your H&M ad. <laughs> like we get, we know that that's not what you mean, mm -hmm. but if you are refusing to look at the history, the widely sold comic book that we mm. that we you can google and see the animes that to that portray us the look that they're going for is a monkey like like it mm -hmm. looks weird we're saying gremlin we're saying piccaninny but they're making they they try because it's historically a thing that has happened so you're not you're not a racist but if you accidentally label someone you did a racist thing and that's fine Everyone will make mistakes. Instead of trying to fight for over a label that isn't being labeled on you, we're labeling the action. Mm. Fix the action. Stop defending yourself because we the never. The defense of it is what starts making you a racist. Yeah, you, Just so, so you're aware. Yeah. You start being like, no, it's fine. Well, it's not fine. Yeah. It's a racist action. So well, your defense of it. It's, it's, it's the simple thing of like, I think, I think if, if we're being honest, we've all been black. Oh, a while. Yeah. We've all been. I'll all admit my, it today on yeah. Nerd Deficit. <laughs> been we've, black all my life. <laughs> well, and we've all been online a while. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, conversations online are getting more progressive. Mm -hmm. Like, I, like it's funny, you know, we got lines of people uh, wearing their woke hats. But I remember when Trayvon happened and I had to convince Ooh. people that it wasn't an isolated incident. I almost yeah. got fired you know, from work that day. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, so, so we've come a long way in conversations about race. But there is this genuine fear. Everyone, it's so funny because, like, there. I think we're at a point where people are more afraid of being called racist than being racist mm -hmm. because you're afraid of, like, your image. And it's like it's not about that. But then, you know, this would be a longer conversation because we do – there are – we have to acknowledge the other side that is for some reason about that where they want to take a small – piece of information run with it and, and you know there's all different but i think at the end of the day everyone should just listen more it yeah. absolutely be more helpful i think i feel like that's mcduffie tried to do that a lot throughout yeah. his career good segue i'm gonna skip forward to the teenage negro ninja thrashers <laughs> uh portion of our segment today which is sort of one of the most iconic things that mcduffie has done in his career which is he's worked at both of the big two he started off at marvel he was uh an assistant to the editor bob budansky budansky um they like worked on these super epic cards which we'll circle back to in a minute um that sort of started the marvel card catalog um, he worked on a lot of things like the Damage Control comic books, which, again, we'll circle back to because oh, yeah. they're incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was also not a silent black man. He wasn't there to get along. He was there to make the kind of comics he wanted to see as a kid. So on December 13th, 1989, when Joelle was two months old, uh, <laughs> crazy, guys. Time is weird. Um, he wrote this letter. I'm going to do a dramatic interpretation of it. <laughs> In the past year, 25% of all African-American superheroes appearing in the Marvel Universe possess skateboard-based superpowers. In an attempt to remain on the cutting edge of comics, I hereby propose a new series that will fully exploit this existing new trend. Teenage Negro Ninja Thrashers. When a group of teenage Negroes find comic powers, skateboards, their lives are forever changed. A team of distinct characters join together, swearing, swearing an oath to use their powers for good. The characters are Rocket Racer, a black guy on a skateboard, Nightmare Thrasher, a black guy on a skateboard, and Dark Wheelie, a black guy on a skateboard. 
and their leader, the mysterious black guy on a skateboard, known only as that mysterious black guy on a skateboard. <laughs> this is a surefire hit as it contains all of these popular elements. Circa 1974 clothing and hairstyle. Bizarre speech patterns unrecognizable by any member of any culture on this planet. A smart white friend to help them out of trouble. The heroes... Uh, they're heroes who could be you, if you were black, I mean. They're on skateboards. They have an attractive white female friend to calm them down when they get too excited. Face it, Pilgrim, that one's got it all. Have I made my point? <laughs> Woo! Ooh. Can you imagine sending this to your boss? I mean, I mean, we were talking about this a bit with the Milestone era, and it's the one of that the beautiful, comfortable place that you can be in as a black creative when you realize that you have uh, marked your place in your in your like undeniability and you know like like these these are all power moves like he knows he's at the top of his game at the time he he, he like he probably still was like I'm, I'm walking the line here but he also knew they have a big gigantic uh you know competition that he can just go over that will scoop him up for a second because oh, yeah. you know so like it is interesting because they're the power of a person of color with power uh allows you to make change and it's and it's and he gets to it's funny because in a way this is the nicer version because he could have just straight up be like look this is a problem this is why it's a problem da 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 but he was like Oh, I'll make them laugh with this like funny, you know, pitch, but kind of like make a point about it. Mm-hmm. It was interesting as well as you say that, like about how like, he's like standing up and everything, and like he has the opportunity to go elsewhere, so he's like confident in himself. But it's also crazy because he has this, like, as he does this, he's doing it because it's the right thing to do. Yes, like he's taking a stand because sometimes you have to take a stand, you have to take risks. Oh yeah, because if you don't do it, we don't get change, and it might become because I'm not sure if you guys know this, but like. After he finished as an English major, he actually became a physicist and went there for grad school. But one of the things that happened while he was in grad school, he discovered that some of the technology he had to research and develop was being used in Patriot missiles, again, wow. without his permission. And so he had no idea, but when he found this out, he became disheartened. And that's what made him go to New York and start studying film and everything like that. But it just kind of goes to that point. He's just like, like no, like we can't just allow ourselves to be bystanders in these processes. We have to like take a stand. Yeah. And that's something he's always like stood behind, which is what makes him so admirable. I mean, this also sounds like a, a black person who's been working around white people for a long time and is tired. Oh, yeah. Because um, as gentle as it is, imagine you've been writing one of the black superheroes on co- skateboard comic books like that this is a slap in the face like yeah. this is very like upfront and also f- sort of almost reads like a re- like either change it or i'm leaving sort of vibe to mm-hmm. it cuz like and also the vibe of like i've said this before many times oh, yeah. in many separate ways and i cannot make it any more clear than this oh, yeah. statement right here it's such a ballsy move and i, I wish mm-hmm. we had more of his own direct quote on like that experience and what it was like um cuz i think it must have been I imagine it to be somewhat frightening and also liberating oh, yeah. at the same time. Definitely just do it and doing it. And it's it's interesting too because I do wonder about like the culture at Marvel around this time because after a video that I think you shared of Stan Lee with <laughs> Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld drawing and Stan Lee 
hated it. Guys, it's the most epic video. Like, if you ever see an old person take down a young person just verbally, and it's it's so sweet in the Stanley way. I've been meaning to talk to you guys about yeah. these feet. Yeah. What are you drawing these weird little feet on these giant bodies? I think it takes you longer to write your signature than it takes you to draw this comic book page. Stanley is vicious. Yeah. Oh, so good. But yeah, it was it does not seem like a great uh cozy comforting uh, yeah, culture seems, there at the it time. It feels like they were they were they were they were boxing every every day. Stanley had left in the 70s to start the Hollywood portion of Marvel uh, out of New York and then if we consider the comic boom fail in the 90s, man, mm. yeah. It's it's got to be a lot because that's a lot of uh, changeover in who's running the company and the direction of the company and the fact that okay so now we're allocating resources to TV. Yeah, comics have always had sort of a, a competitive nature with uh, moving pictures, as yeah. it were. It's an art form all its own. We got to respect just the comic book aspect of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is right before that uh, said boom. But yeah, before we go forward, I think yeah we should. Um... Talk about damage control and the cards that he was working on. Yes. Uh, I really like the cards. I pulled a couple samples for us to look at. They have this one where it's a nine card. Like, if you collect these nine cards, they form a bunch of uh, different villains surrounding Galactus. And it is, so they're, like, very 90s in, like, the black uh, star kind of background within, like, a ton of, like, neon colors up front. All the muscles on all of the heroes, even the ladies are kind of bulked up a little bit. Ooh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it is like they're really beautiful cards. And at this point, uh, McDuffie started this project, I want to say in '89, he's working as an assistant. Um, so they're not his designs, but he's helping curate, uh, coordinate. And it's these sort of put a huge landmark out there for kids who maybe hadn't gotten into comics or didn't know all the characters yet. It was a great sort of launch platform for people to get into comics and i think that sort of speaks to mcduffie's entire career has been sort of like uh opening a gate to allow new people into comic books yeah um yeah and then uh then after his kind of first major work was the damage control comic you were talking about what what was that about Woo! okay so damage control is maybe one of the most unique cool ideas to come out of marvel in this era and it's the idea like what happens after a giant superhero battle well, there's a huge mess. Some It's got to be someone's job to come and clean this up. So Tony Stark and Wilson Fisk become partners to create a new thing called Damage Control, um, the U.S. Department of Damage Control, the DODC. Uh, and by partnering, if it's the villain's fault or the hero's fault, we can kind of both clean it up together, which sort of makes a statement about comics, which is this idea of like, oh, we don't intend to stop fighting or it's going to be forever. So we need to figure out a way to work together to make sure we don't have people too mad at us about the fact that we're fighting and destroying half the city. Yeah. So you get a ton of like man on the ground quips. And it's, I think this very much highlights what McDuffie's going to do later when he goes to DC. And it's the idea of like, not just superheroes, but how are people impacted by superheroes and how does that make this world different from the world we live in? And it's so much more interesting, I think, than just, like, end-of-the-world stuff. I've read maybe, like, several hundred end-of-the-world comic books. Almost every movie is about, like, if the heroes don't do this, it's the end of the world. It's too much. It's too dramatic. We can't always be, like, that's life and death, and that's a whole lot. And in between there, there's a ton of emotional beats that we're missing, Mm. that are intriguing, um, that talk about, like, the real-life things that we as the reader, the viewer, are going through. 
And you get all of that and damage control. And on top of that, it's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, no, it's super funny. It's amazing. Like, I like the first, I picked up the first five issues when I first started collecting comics, and it's so good. Like, one of the beats in it is like the. Like, you know, they're cleaning up a supervillain accident or whatever. It's a construction crew on site. One of the construction guys, like, finds, like, a purple orb or whatever. It picks it up. He changes this, like, huge galactic being or whatever. He's like, I must leave, leave now. I have a higher purpose. And then the crew form is like, man, that's the third guy this week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, what? Yeah. And that's just the beast they all go through. And, like, the second issue is, like, so dope because it's either the second or third or fourth issue where it's, like, the cover's, like, Dr. Doom and they count it, which is a black guy for him. He includes that diversity there. It's like, you're going to pay up, Doom. And the whole thing is like, that whole issue is about him going and trying to get Doom to pay on a, a check that he owes damage control. <laughs> and it's just hilarious. It's like, seriously? But he don't care. He's like, doesn't care. He's a dictator. In case from like, very, he's like, that man go pay what he owe. Yeah. He goes after it. Oh, that's it. great. Oh, and, and, you know, the, I'm going to jump. So he does well at DC, but I think the biggest point of DC is Milestone. Mm-hmm. And the reason I want to jump in Milestone is I didn't know that bit about McDuffie and the Patriot Missile mm-hmm. because that is so similar to the story of Hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's so it's so cool to know that that was actually inspired by, you know, because, you know, it's it's always dope when, like, you hear a track and they're like, well, this is the events that inspired you. He's like, I hear that. I hear yeah, that in the track. Now. Yeah. Wait, so can you guys break down Hardware for fans that Ooh. don't, haven't read him? Yeah, if you haven't read him first, go to the Milestone Media episode. We break him down. But to say it again, uh, so uh, Hardware is essentially Milestone's Iron Man. He mm-hmm. was uh, he was you know taken in by this white man who like funded his schooling, uh, and 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 he funded his schooling. He was like this top engineer, and now he's working for this like huge like um, tech company. But he finds out that they're like making black market weapons. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, before he finds that out, he asks for a piece of stake in the company. He's like, "Hey, I've been working. I've been inventing all these things for you." Yeah, maybe I get a piece of the pie. And he was like, you were just a tool. Mm-hmm. I, I took you, I, I built you, I sharpened you. You were just a tool for me. Uh, you get nothing. You should be happy. You should be thanking me. So then he, through, angry, you know, he starts getting resentful. He does some digging, finds out they're making black market weapons, tries to go through the proper means, FBI and all this. They do nothing because their hands are in everything. Mm-hmm. So then he becomes hardware to come stop uh, them from using those uh, inventions that he made for weapons. That is incredible and i like the idea that like mcduffie couldn't possibly have gone up against the united states government to be like take my technology out your missiles yeah and so for him to be able to put it in a comic book and share it with the world and be like I mean, that's the power of don't art let it right? happen to you, you wow know, the power of art is like when you feel like weak and helpless you create this world in which you can handle that problem you know no for sure it was crazy too though because um when they groups of the founders talk about it between mcduffie dance cowan they mentioned that hardware also represents their struggle within the comic industry itself mm. because as creators they're creating like these awesome like heroes or whatnot but they don't actually own a stake within the company yeah and so when they ask for it they're told no you're getting paid a salary you're getting paid a wage this is um you can't own any of this so that kind of sparks most of the do milestone comics itself mm-hmm. so it's so dope because within like hardware there's this duality of like both those allegories going on yeah yeah and to do a multiple uh episode pull for you uh if you're just tuning into this for the first time yeah we talk about that in um in the milestone episodes but also what we talk about in the milestone episodes is something we talk about in our image episode is milestone was created after image comics left and if you don't know what happened image comics basically wanted that they're like yo we're making these characters y'all starting to do movies Mm -hmm. we need a piece of this company they said no they're like all right and yeah this what was it was like todd mcfarlane uh rob liefeld jim lee um 
And one more who I always forget. Dan, who created Savage Dragon. Yeah. I can't remember his last name. Yeah. And he, though, that was like the Mount Rushmore of comics at the mm-hmm. time. So that was a huge hit. So then to have their other like stars come up and like, look, we about to do what they did. <laughs> yeah. Because when they pitched, they brought like all these stories. They had like, they didn't just pitch like with thoughts and ideas. They had Bibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So DC was like, well, we don't want another Image Comics because Image at this point probably was tearing them up because Image was blown Spawn up. Spawn alone was just yeah. <laughs> devastating. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it was interesting. DC made the right move because Greg Capullo talks about this. He's an artist on Court of Owls. He also mm-hmm. did Spawn for a long time. Mm-hmm. Greg says he started at Marvel during that time period, but Marvel wasn't having none of that. So they didn't want another situation where like all-star artists were leave whatever. So they did the opposite of DC. They put people down. Mm-hmm. So really? they weren't promoting you. They weren't putting you out there as much or whatever. Wow. So Greg, he just we'll felt just that. We'll just kill the artist as the the hero or the inspire, exactly. which is nuts. So he felt that tension in the air, which caused him to leave later on or whatever. But yeah, it was like during that time period after that left, it was like DC made the right play. Instead of us trying to fight against it, that's promoted from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, that's that's in, it's so wild to see just the politics that go in because, you know, when you think about it, we just go in and buy the comics that are available. We yeah. often forget that, like, you know, these are people trying to make a living and mm-hmm. all this, and it's even harder now because... People ain't buying as much comics. And I think it's also great what worked out of the deal is the fact that like Milestone was then able to integrate a lot of their characters into the DC canon, which for me as a kid was vital because I definitely wouldn't have found Milestone on my own. And without that, then I don't have Rocket, who instantly became a favorite. The second I saw her, I was like, oh, is this love? Like, she got the shortcut? <laughs> like, wow. In a jumpsuit, ready to go. Like, Icon is amazing. Like, he's yeah. an alien who's been here forever and oh, yeah. like, chooses mm-hmm. to be present as black. Like, that will always be a ride or die for me. Um, and now, you know, of course, with shows like Young Justice and Justice League and all of that, we've been able to see some of our favorite characters, like Static, appear alongside like our favorite teen heroes and now yeah. they're just a part of that universe yeah, oh, yeah. And, and and really i'm excited to jump into dc animation but we're gonna do that right after these messages right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee Visit rightrug.com. That's R I T E R U G.com today to schedule a free in home estimate or to find a location near you. 24 month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back doing we're talking Dwayne McDuffie I have Johnny Parker and Joelle Monique so before we get into DC animation uh you know we, let's let's talk about some DC drama you had some DC mm. drama you you had the tea you had the it tea so let juicy. me pull out the it, <laughs> it's the cups out. it got so juicy it got so juicy so pretty much as milestones going along whatever they're making progress having these great sales static shock is embraced winning awards or whatever so Dwayne and company are trying to like push the envelope as far as doing authentic storytelling so for one issue of static shock it's around the teens like 16 or somewhere around there there's a cover which has static on the couch making out with his girlfriend oh yes yeah. so pretty much it's like again it's like it's nothing like too risque whatever they both have their clothes on mm-hmm. but they're like making out and then there's also some condoms nearby whatever because they're going to be intimate whatever yeah so the head of dc at this time shuts it down he's like look no you can't do this and then Dwayne's like no we can't do this we're our own company i'm the editor-in-chief we need to go and do this and he's like not only that show but if we look into history of comics you've had way more risque covers like there's a yeah. cover where she's like got all that stuff torn off or whatever it's like it looks almost like a playboy cover so Dwayne's like we're doing something way more tame than that you're intimidated by this and he writes a letter to him pretty much saying like um because it's african-american characters or whatnot and there's some racism behind this choice or whatnot so DC says, no, you're not doing it. Um, and they give this whole reason because, oh, well, newsstands have quotes of etiquette, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So instead they do a close-up of them just kissing and put, like, a little heart around it. But in the back, Dwayne puts that editorial where he calls it out, like, reason why we couldn't do this. And he doesn't quote verbatim call the head of DC at that time racist. Yeah. But he says this was a racist act. And after that, the head of DC is like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> and then ever since then, they just had the solid relationship. Ooh. So then what ended up happening is Dwayne steps down as editor-in-chief. Dennis Cowan takes over as editor-in-chief. But then Dennis Cowan's like, look, I'm done with this. He leaves, go start, like, Motown Comics or something like that. Yeah. With yep. the other creator. And then Dwayne comes back in. But at that point, Dennis has left. And it's never been the same. Oh, so that kind of was the main kind of shaking things up in a possibly negative way. Which is crazy because if you think about the time, like this is what, like 94, 95, mm-hmm. uh, the idea that like safe sex was pretty I know, vital I was just to, about to a Google, uh, post-AIDS society at this TLC. point. TLC. Uh, yeah. See, because they, they had the big condom. Uh, oh, yeah, the eye yeah. patch with yeah, the Yeah, around the same time. Like that'd that. be like yeah. 93, 94 when that album came out. Um so the, yeah, it's just uh, cr- over a box of condoms, bruh. <laughs> it is it's ridiculous too. Because especially like you mentioned, like the, the time like people are learning about AIDS and just actually practicing safe sex. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, that's a really dope ad right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just saying like, okay, be intimate because you're going to do it, but it's like be safe as you do it, and it's like really smart being authentic. And again, like don't point out back then. You compare it to like any of those other characters they were putting Absolutely. on covers, like half naked, who are usually Caucasian. Which like, blade? Mm-hmm. There you go. Like no one had a problem with, but like because they do it with a couple color characters of color. Everyone gets up in arms. I mean, you. It, I mean, that's kind of been a weird uh, thing that's even been in media is how uh, you know black love is displayed. Like you never get to see 
it really kind of shown, you know, until like shows like Insecure show my man Lawrence getting in. in. <laughs> Lawrence Hive was booming that day. We oh were booming. God. We were still booming every time Twitter I think about it. Twitter was a mess after that. Yeah. People were like, what the we hell? Were booming. But I thought about that too because I just finished uh, season two of Altered Carbon, which mm-hmm. I highly recommend. Um, but I don't think I had ever seen Anthony Mackie as a love interest. Mm-hmm. Is always a very kind of desexualized military hero, yeah. uh, specifically in his larger pictures, specifically stuff he's done with Marvel, which, you know, maybe we'll see change on Disney Plus, but maybe not. He is great. He brings all the chemistry. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. And it's this thing we see with a lot of characters. Like, if you're not like a Michael B. Jordan type where you're pretty much specifically sold on your sex appeal mm-hmm. um, until he started producing his own work and now he's kind of getting into these more serious projects, a lot of times, yeah, uh, we're not allowed to be uh sexual or even i would say like romantic and it's yeah. uh again a little bit frustrating and why i always encourage you to just find more color creators of color uh so we can avoid these kind of traps it also speaks to like why some of the properties that come out in the past like last for so long like living single at martin which do mm-hmm. represent positive like ways of like black love mm-hmm. and the reason why like even today like i teach high school english and my kids still talk about martin and living singles like why are you watching this yeah but that's the reason why is because there's a third representation happening on screen for them mm-hmm. and it's not being done in enough places yeah, yeah absolutely definitely um but yeah we, we'll we'll start so he does kind of get good with dc because he starts doing their animation right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah this is early 2000 so yeah. like 99 so it's been about four or five years post the comic breakup to when he starts entering dc animation to work on first static shock then justice league and then justice league unlimited so mm-hmm. what I, uh, what was interesting is like i always felt his you know static was definitely the first for me of that duffy energy mm-hmm. but like I one thing I didn't really notice that that definitely is his probably huge handprint was the fact that with Justice League we got um John um Stewart John Stewart instead of Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. Hal Jordan is G- DC now. can't get enough of Hal Jordan and he was like, "Nah, we doing John Stewart." And that- what a choice. Like what a decision to give us John Stewart because John Stewart had a very uh, fundamental impact on me as a child like this idea of getting to see how do you how do you even like describe john like john stewart's a soldier who isn't necessarily interested in following orders like yeah. he's, a, mm-hmm. he's a thinking soldier mm-hmm. which i think is again often rare for black characters specifically if we're looking in that time period yeah um but then also on top of that like he has one of the great romances i still like uh, oh my gosh Green Lantern and uh, Hawkgirl are, like, my favorite DC couple, period, hands down. Like, I stand them <laughs> so hard. Even though he – and what's really crazy is Dwayne McDuffie made me be like, I know that uh, your cheetah girlfriend is right there, and she looks amazing. But can you please go back with Hawkgirl? Like, that is nuts. Who would ever thought I'd pick a white lady over black? Not me. But I really – I stood that relationship so hard because, because Dwayne McDuffie wrote it real well um, because – all of these characters got to be fully fleshed out human beings because despite the fact that they were writing a children's show, they wanted to make a show that spoke to legitimately all ages. And I think it's something that comic books does better than probably any other medium is examine like we don't need to uh, dissect our material for different Mm -hmm. age groups. Like this is literally for all ages. You can come in and enjoy something in this story. You cannot be left out. It's not too mature and beyond your years. And they do it beautifully and, and, and support it really well. And Jon Stewart is a huge part. On top of that, he gives the Martian Manhunter, who also, uh, like Icon, is an alien, came to planet Earth and ch- chose to live his life as a black man, which to this day 
floors me because he was doing it like you know pre two thousands, choosing to live walk down the street as a black guy. Okay, that, that was definitely how he felt, a know, nice, comfortable, a nice little uh, icon nod. They're Absolutely, like, like oh, let me go and put a little bad. icon in here. Icon and Rocket come in uh, Justice League Unlimited. That's where I first see Rocket, Ooh. and I just there's he's able to imbue these characters so well and make they felt like DC originals. You know what I mean? And I think that also, again, speaks to his knowledge of just comic book and comic book characters that it doesn't feel like a lot of times I think when people create characters, you're like, I see a lot of you in this. And, yeah. and there's not necessarily something wrong with that, but it does take away from your suspension of disbelief. So for these characters to come into the DC world and, and outside of the Dakota verse and meld and become fully functioning members of Team Justice League, like... Ugh, I needed it, and I, uh, I couldn't have been aware that I needed it at the time. But I'm so glad that I had it. Yeah, no, he's so smart with doing it, and it was cool. Is he always does it like undercover, like you said, like slipping that bit of icon and everything. Like yeah. That. Um, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm listening. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say because like one of the cool things that he did was on um because like with the icon of the book, people don't know this all the time, but like like so he's doing that first like 12 issue run, right? And you meet Rocket. He's like Rocket's like breaking to his house. She does all this stuff. She's like, you need to be a hero. You need to do this, this, and this. <laughs> and that's when he actually like gets up, starts getting involved or whatnot. And then he gives her the belt. She becomes a hero or not? But then she gets this whole story. Like she gets pregnant and like does all these things. But what people don't realize is that low-key if you look back at that book rocket is the actual progressive force of that book and so dennis calvin gave um this like talk one time in my comic shop he explained to us like like no the main character of icon was rocket yeah. it's like people just didn't realize it but we couldn't put rocket on the cover and just sell this black woman-led book so we tricked everybody and by having to be icon everyone's reading this superman-ass book but actually the main character is rocket this whole time if you yeah, look just... at covers of that comic book it's very frequently icon standing behind rocket yes. oh my god yes. he just blew my mind yes <laughs> oh and so wow that's, and so that's the dope thing about Dwayne and all those guys when they were doing this they just realized that like if you put diversity in people's faces they'll go against it but if you do it subvertly people go along with it yeah because Dwayne talked about that later on when he wrote on justice league yeah um, um, back in around 2009, 2010. And so he, so pretty much when he got on the book, he doesn't get a choice of choose who's on the team. Yeah. They give him the established team. And so one of the three characters they end up giving him were Vixen, Firestorm, and there's a third black character I can't think of. I think it is Jon Stewart who's on that team. He doesn't get a choice in this. But when they do it, though, all of a sudden the fan base goes nuts. They're like, McDuffie's making the Justice League black. black. I remember blah, 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 this. And all this kind of stuff. And Dwayne's like, I didn't even choose the team. I didn't even know this. What are y'all doing? Like, come on. And it's like, and he even talks about it. And like he even explains, like, had I my choice, like I would have put other people on the team. It's like, I'm writing this, and they won't even let me write Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman. They're not even on the team that they're giving me. So, like, come mm. on. And so, yeah, it kind of shows that, again, like, we subvert with it. You can actually tell a lot of great storylines. But if you try to put things in people's faces, they'll be very resistant a lot of times. Yeah. It's wild. We pulled a couple of clips to kind of showcase yeah. the writing style of Dwayne McDuffie. The first one is from Justice League uh, Flashpoint. It's from season one. If you guys haven't checked out uh, Justice League or if that's new to you or it's been a minute, I cannot like encourage you enough to go back and look. He did uh, the Brave and the Bold episode, Starcrossed, and Destroyer. And I think what Dwayne does better than most is he found a way to invigorate a lot of the old popular storylines and make them fresh and new. So let's hear, uh, this is a political debate that the team is having deciding on how they're going to stop Lex Luthor. From Flashpoint. I don't remember asking you for your opinion. No. How about when you guys hijacked me up here against my will and made me join this team? Batman said I was supposed to keep you guys honest. Do I look like Batman to you? Actually, you kind of do. Especially when you're all scally like that. We can't let Cadmus get away with it. No one's saying we should, but we have to keep a cool head. 
Do you know what they did to me? Look, kid. Hamilton's a piece of garbage, and Luthor's worse. But this isn't the way to stop them. We must also consider the possibility that Cadmus is right to be afraid of us. What? And there is strong evidence of Cadmus having legitimate connections to the government. Maybe to some rogue black ops group. The real government wouldn't get involved in anything like this. Hey, I'm the only guy in the room who doesn't have superpowers. And let me tell you, you guys scare me. What if you do decide to go marching down there, taking care of whoever you think is guilty? Who could stop you? Me? So you want the government to have a bunch of superhuman weapons just to keep us in check? No. I don't know. Yeah. The guys you're hearing in that clip, that's uh, Green Lantern, Superman, uh, Martian Manhunter, Supergirl. Flash. And the Flash. Thank you. Uh, and they're basically trying to decide, like, are we going to just go down to Earth and take care of business as we do with superheroes? They don't have a directive. There's nobody deciding who can and cannot go on certain missions. They just sort of decide in the moment. And they're like, listen, we know Lex Luthor is doing some shadow stuff. We know Cadmus is out here testing uh, Superman's DNA, creating people that can go out there and cause additional harm with our faces, with our DNA. We can go down and stop them. And basically, the Flash and Green uh, Arrow are basically like, yo, y'all got to chill. We can't just be out here causing a fight or we could be seen as the bad guys. People have a right to be terrified of you guys specifically. You have superhuman powers. A missile could maybe stop you, not Superman. There's nothing we could do to stop you if you decide to go rogue. And it's those kinds of conversations which will occasionally happen in comic books here or there that are the fundamental forefront of how Dwayne McDuffie approached comic book storytelling because he really took the idea of like with great power becomes great responsibility to its nth degree and applied it very frequently to all of his characters and made them ask, what are you doing with your time, with your life here? How are you impacting others? That was at the forefront of his writing style and i really appreciate the way that he often gave that to black folks there's a um if we had time to pull infinite clips i would have there's an episode <laughs> of um uh justice league where john stewart is on earth walking around in like his old neighborhood and this old black guy <laughs> basically calls him out and he's like listen i know you out there with all your little superheroes fighting off aliens and stuff. He's like, but you ain't been around this block in a long time. And you ain't been helping your people in this space in a long time. So you can go out and go, you know, save the whole world or whatever. But we're still here. We're still hurting. We're still suffering. And you've forgotten about us. And to do a check on a black guy like that, again, in a children's cartoon, yeah. impacted me. It's like a, I was like 10 or 11 watching this and being like, man, growing up in a very like an all white school district, essentially, you know, wondering, like, how am I not connecting to my community at this time? And how do I get back? And how do I do that in a way that is, you know, impactful and is important? And I think by posing those questions to children, that oftentimes, as we grow up, those are the things that we reflect back on and the, and, and and carry us. And it may help us make our decisions and how we want to react in the world. Oh, gosh. Dwayne McDuffie, seriously, he's just it's, – it's not just a shame that we lost him. It's a shame we don't have more of him, versions of him, out there making comic books right now. I'm trying. I'm trying. You, we are all out here. No, I'm saying it, it's not for a lack of black creators. It's not a lack of black creators. It's financially Access. Yeah. struggle. It's a, it's a huge struggle to make good art uh, when you don't have 
the cash flow and when mm-hmm. people want to constantly question and second guess what it is you're creating in the first place. Yeah. And like you said, it's so like it's opportunity because there's a lot of like dope creators out there who are creating these books and when I were telling these amazing stories, you can go to any artist alley at Comic Con and we'll see like wherever you're gonna see our faces, but the problem is though is that we're the only publishers backing us. So we don't get that natural distribution or whatnot. Like without a publisher, I'm not sure how far I can get the black man's guy to getting pulled over. But if I had that with me then I could put that in like every comic shop across the country. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're exactly right. When you have that funding, we have the opportunity at least like these amazing things. And what's dope is like that storyline low key influenced comics, I want to say, like for almost like the next 10 years. Because mm. in that like one clip right there, as a kid, I remember watching that, be like, what? No, the heroes should do what the heroes want to do. <laughs> and then I saw Man of Steel, and I was like, no, they need accountability. They need accountability. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> and, but what's crazy is that drops around like 2000s, but then what happens around 2005, 2006, 2007, we get the Civil War storyline at Marvel Comics, which is just emulating that. Yeah. And it's that whole thing about like superior responsibility. And then we see that in other like books and whatnot that's going for like next 10 years so like you're exactly right that one little bit of writing he did on this animation that's so adult that's so cognizant of like the Patriot Act and all the things that are actually happening in the government he was able to stretch that and people were to run with that and like help influence comics for the like, next decade yeah Ooh. do we want to play this last clip yet? yeah alright we have a clip uh, from John pick this one you want to cue it up oh god the tears you got it the you got tears. it Josh okay so um, going back Batman Beyond Batman Beyond is an amazing series but the problem with it is though sadly enough it never got a season finale it never mm. got that send off so Dwayne's like oh no I got this because <laughs> the thing about it is when he worked on Just League he did 60 of the 90 episodes he was on every single one of most yeah. so he's like we're going to do epilogue for Batman in this epilogue here Amanda Waller um, is explaining how she's actually created Terry McGinnis the Batman Beyond about how he's actually like a clone of Batman, and she begins explaining why we need a Batman in today's world. Stop me if you've heard it before. You're eight years old. Your parents have just taken you to a rousing adventure film. A grand time is had by all. But unknown to you, a mysterious figure hides in the shadows. My plan was simple. The killer would leap out at you and kill your family. The trauma would put you on the path to becoming Batman. One problem. My assassin wouldn't pull the trigger. I argued with her, but deep down I knew she was right. People say Batman's obsessive, that he'd do anything to achieve his goals. But he'd never resort to murder. So if I was to honor all he stood for, Neither could I. And yet my dad wound up murdered. Anyway, don't you get it? No matter what you did or didn't do, I was gonna end up being Bruce's carbon copy. It was fate. You know, the Lord's been a great comfort to me all these years. Try not to look so surprised. Yeah, I've got a lot to answer for when I meet him, but I'd like to believe that for all the harm I've caused, I've also done some good. Maybe the angels need a sharp sword, too. Like the good book says, he moves in mysterious ways. His plan is a mystery, but here's what isn't. He gave us free will. We choose our own fate, for good or ill. I've known Bruce Wayne for over 50 years, and I've been keeping an eye on you your whole life. You're not Bruce's clone. You're his son. There are similarities, mind you, but more than a few differences, too. You don't quite have his magnificent brain, for instance. You do have his heart, though. And for all that fierce exterior, I've never met anyone who cared as deeply about his fellow man as Bruce Wayne. 
except maybe you. You want to have a little better life than the old man's? Take care of the people who love you, or don't. It's your choice. I've been fat my whole life, and having a fat Amanda Waller walking around, putting fingers in Batman's face, telling him this is how the game plan is going to work, was inspirational, and I think a huge part of what made her awesome was the fact that Dwayne McDuffie, and I'll give props to Gail Simone, too, were back there writing her, structuring her in such a way that made mm -hmm. her... Uh, an epic force to be reckoned with. She knew Bruce Wayne's identity and she was not afraid to use it against him. But I think what we just heard, like this whole breakdown, first a psychological analysis of Batman, which is maybe one of the most fascinating characters in the American canon, to um, pivoting to how that's going to continue beyond him, imbuing morality uh, and uh, mortality smoothly in a way, again, accessible to all ages, to all people across demographics, like the power of McDuffie. Mm -hmm. It's just, and if you watch uh, that episode at the end, uh, Terry goes back to Bruce's mansion and uh, Bruce is struggling to open a bottle of pills as he's like lecturing him about like, you need to tell me where you go. And like, I'm worried about Gotham. I'm trying to coordinate. And he's like, listen, old man, I'm gonna open your pills and let me go see Superman about whatever this business is. I got you like take a nap. You're my dad. And it's just, Oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. I, I, I really, I'm glad you picked this one, John. Oh, no problem. Because, like, <laughs> no problem. Thank you for playing. Because, honestly, for me, it's like, it kind of shows how dope Batman is. And it shows how well Dwayne understood the characters. Because for Batman, it's not the money. It's not the gadgets. It's not the ninja training that does help. But the thing about this, though, <laughs> it's his empathy. His empathy yeah. of the way he cares about his fellow man that sets him apart from, like, from everyone. And, um, and again, it shows with Terry because Terry's empathy is so strong just like him. And what I like as well is that it shows that Terry goes on a different path because he, rises, he goes and he's finally going to meet with a Superman and everything. He's also got a wedding ring. He's yeah. like, I'm going to do what Bruce didn't do. Yeah. I'm going to value my family. I'm going to keep his legacy going. I'm going to like value the people that I have and not push everyone away. And it just kind of shows how like McDuffie understood character growth and how characters need to evolve. And kudos to him. Yeah. Yeah. McDuffie said that part of his goal was to make black characters applicable to young white kids. Not the idea that like you necessarily connect with them, but just that that a black man could be your Superman as well. Yeah. Um, and so while I was scrolling through Twitter after I had doing a lot of research on this, I found this adorable tweet. Um, I'm going to give proper credit. It's from Randbot at Randbot. Um, and the tweet says, fourth grade at Dexter's school does a living wax museum for Black History Month. This guy was Dwayne McDuffie. It's a white kid with Dwayne's, um, what do you call it, a goatee? Yeah. Like drawn on and the thick glasses and like a static shock t-shirt on. There's no blackface here. This is just a kid who wants to like give props to Dwayne yeah. McDuffie, whose favorite superhero is Static Shock. And I think if you go to cons and things, you constantly see the static jacket because it's sick. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's if we had to lose him, if he's not here anymore, it's awesome that his legacy endures to this next generation and yeah. beyond. Um, props to Dwayne McDuffie for giving us so much. Well, yeah, that that's kind of what I wanted to use uh, for, you know, there for the, you know, usually at this point we discuss like the future and the future and all this, but I think the future isn't something we're going to talk about. It's a future that you, the listener are going to show us to all the people of color, uh, to all the, even white people. I don't not even exclude y'all, but to all the writers and creators who are listening to this episode right now, the future of Dwayne McDuffie lives inside you. Or oh, what are you doing to push the envelope to be a more accessible 
to shine light on uh, people who might be sitting in the shade? What are you creating to uh, introduce to the world people who might not be seen as much? And I do think that can live within anyone listening, no matter the color of your skin, whether it be through LGBTQA+, uh, whether it be through disabled, whether it be through any type of afflictions that might, uh, you know, be around you or, uh, you know, you yourself might be dealing with. You have the power to shine light and to uh, raise awareness of it. Uh, It's just at the end of your pen. And with that, uh, you know, uh, where can people find you, Johnny? Where what uh, what is there you'd like to plug? Um, you can find me at Johnny P three one three on my Patreon and Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'll be doing a Kickstarter for one of my series in May called Broken. It's a video game anime adventure. It's like Smash Brothers Melee meets uh, Pokemon. It's super dope and super yes. awesome. Oh, nice. Thank you. Um, and then you can support me on Patreon. You can find me at Johnny P three one three on Instagram and Twitter. And I also am on a wrestling podcast for that hashtag, that hashtag show called THS Wrestling. We do a show every Sunday night. So come watch me. My co-hosts, Neeson and John, um, and we uh, go through and talk about all the things wrestling every week. Ooh, I'm Joelle. Yeah, I'm Joelle Monique. You can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. And for the next three, four weeks over at Who Shot You? Taking over Iffy's position there. Filling in for everybody. It's a good time. And thank um, you guys for having me. I appreciate yeah, yeah. it. This was really fun. This is really dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had a lot of knowledge. I, I know. appreciate you being here. <laughs> yeah. And you know me, if you whitey way on Twitter and Instagram, if D's on Twitch, watch Super Punch every night, Monday through thir- uh, Monday through Thursday, where I host at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific time. The Discord is Discord gg forward slash salt squad we have an anime club now we're watching black lagoon uh so tune in for that and uh last but certainly not least tpublic.com forward slash nerdificent for all your merchy goodness pull up and let us make you look good and like we always end every episode stay nerdy Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.